can take a seat, brothers and sisters. Um, I know we're all looking at the clock. Believe me, I will not go over 9 o'clock, Lord willing. So um, with these 15 minutes, I, I just ask one thing. Let's just be really attentive, really just kind of focused on the Word of God in this next 15 minutes. And then after that, we can end with um, blessing, and then you can enjoy your night. So... If you have your Bibles, uh, let's open up to 1 Samuel chapter 9, 1 Samuel chapter 8, I'm sorry. And this, this is a story about Israel, and today we read about David being anointed as king. And today, I want to just kind of look at a few aspects of the life of Saul and a few aspects of the life of David, and why one man was called a man after God's own heart, and why one man was rejected by God as a king. And it all begins in 1 Samuel chapter 8, where Israel demands a king. They're looking at the nations around them. They see all these nations being ruled. And they look at what, what they, the system that they had in place. And they had Samuel and his sons ruling during that time as judges. And they go to Samuel and say, Samuel, we want to be like the other nations. We want a king that will rule over us, that will take land for themselves, that will take our, our daughters for, for princesses, and that they will rule over this land, and we just want a king. We need a king for ourselves. And so Samuel, he goes to the Lord, and he puts this request before God, and he says, Lord, God, look, the nation wants a king. What, what should I tell them? What should I, what should I give? What should, what should I tell them? And so the, the, the message that basically God told them was that uh, in, in verse 18, eight, chapter 8, verse 18, it says, And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Basically, God was telling Israel, you know, you're going to regret the fact that you, you asked for a king. Time will go by where you will say, we don't want this king anymore. We don't want this wicked king in our lives anymore. But the Bible says that nonetheless, Israel still pressed on for a king. And so... They, they said, they, we, we want to be like the nations around us. And, and the Bible says that Samuel heard all these words, heard all these people. And he, he, went, he goes back to the Lord and says, God, you know, we're, we're going to have to find them a king. We, we can't go around this anymore. We're going to have to find them a king. And so the Lord leads Samuel to Saul. And like David, Saul was, was chosen out of a family that was farmers. He chosen out of a family that was humble, you know, humble beginnings, uh, not much to look at. He was just another guy. And um, Samuel, he goes and anoints Saul as king. And throughout his tenure as king, there was a few problems that, that Saul was going through. And the problem that Samuel had in particular was, was his struggle with disobedience. And the, the thing that separated, I'd say, the, the life of David and the life of Samuel the most was the fact that David was obedient to the word of God. David was obedient to the call that God had on his life while Saul was disobedient. And we read this, we read a couple stories, in fact, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, uh, where Saul was commanded earlier by uh, Samuel not to offer sacrifices with him without him. Uh, for a certain period of time, and then after a certain period of time, Samuel was going to join Saul, and then the, together they would offer a sacrifice to God. And so after seven days, Samuel is waiting for, Saul to show, uh, for Samuel to show up, 
And seven day passes by, and, and you know, Samuel's kind of getting antsy. He wants to sacrifice. He wants to do something before God. And he's waiting for Samuel, and Samuel's not showing up. He says, oh, Saul says, you know, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to just go offer a sacrifice to God, and we don't need Samuel. And so after seven days, I, I, maybe on the eighth day, uh, Samuel comes to him, and he's, he sees all of this. Uh, we read this in chapter 13 later on, where it says that, now in verse 10, it says, Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash, then I said, The Philistines will have now come down to me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded to you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. And so Saul, uh, Samuel comes to Saul and says, What have you done, Saul? What, what, what is this that you're doing without me? You, you had a clear instruction from God that you were to wait for me to come from, you had a clear instruction for me to wait for a certain period of time that you may come and then offer a sacrifice to God. And then you felt compelled after a certain period of time out of your own instinct, out of your own just feelings that you had to offer God a sacrifice. And that was kind of his first, you know, three strikes are out. That was one of his first disobedience. Another um, uh, just example of Saul's disobedience we see in 1 Samuel chapter 15 where again Saul is explicitly commanded by God to uh, destroy Amalek and everything that uh, Amalek was, was um, made up of. So that included you know, the, um, the, their, their sheep, their oxen, their, their, uh, the, the people, the children, the women, just everything. They're, they were, Saul was commanded explicitly by God saying, look Saul, you have one task, one mission, and I need you to just do this one thing for me, destroy Amalek. And so Saul says, you know what, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and we're just going to destroy everything. And so Saul, he goes, he destroys like he was told, the women, the children, the, ha the men, everything. But there was one catch that Saul did that you know, he, he thought he was doing something good in, in the sight of God, maybe in the sight of Saul. And uh, he, he basically, he saves the sheep. He, he saw the, the cattle. He saw, wow, that, that, you know, that flock of, of lamb is too good to just kill. Let's take it, you know, we'll, we'll give it to the Lord. We'll give it to, to the, we'll, we'll cons consecrate it for the Lord. We'll just keep this for ourselves. And so... Again, Samuel comes and he sees Saul and he, and, and he asks him this question in verse 14 um, in, in Samuel 15. It says that, and Samuel said to Saul, uh, verse 15, and Saul said, Samuel said, what, what is this, the bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. The rest we have utterly destroyed. 
And so if I'm Samuel and I'm looking at Saul, and this is the second time, perhaps even the third time, perhaps even who knows how many times that we're not recorded in the Bible, that, Samuel, that Saul is again saying, trying to justify the actions that he did. And he's saying, well, Samuel, look, this isn't all bad. This isn't all what you see. You know, I saved the best for the Lord. I saved the best for you know, for, for we can offer sacrifices with the, with, the, with the sheep we saved. We can offer sacrifices with the cattle that we saved. And, and, Samuel, and Saul, Samuel is looking at Saul and he's saying, you had one mission from the Lord. The, the Lord didn't ask you to save the sheep. He didn't ask you to save the cattle. He gave you a mission and that you were to carry out that mission and, and to come before the Lord. And we'll, you know, together we're going to offer sacrifices. And, and in verse 22, it says that, has the Lord... As great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better, is better than to sacrifice. And so we read about this man, Saul, and oftentimes we ask ourselves, you know, he, he, was, he was clearly anointed by God. He, God wanted him to be king. The people wanted him to be king. Samuel carried out the wish of the people for him to be king. And... Um, the, the Saul, you know, he started off with, with obedience. He started out obeying the Lord. He started out, you know, on the right foot. But as time goes by, his ego comes up. His, his stature comes up. His, you know, his uh, standing with the people around the Philistines and the, the, the nations around him. He's starting to become this powerful man. And he says, well, if I, if I start obeying God, start to do my own thing, you know, maybe... We're going to suffer defeat at some point. Maybe we're going to fall down. Maybe my name is going to get tarnished. Maybe the, the generals around me won't see me as this great and powerful king anymore. Therefore, I'm going to start doing things my way. And so that's where the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord withdrew from Saul. The spirit, the spirit of the Lord withdrew from Saul. And, 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 and God basically tells to Samuel, you know, I reject Saul as king. I reject the fact that I, that I had my blessing upon Saul to be king of, over Israel. And uh, Samuel is then again commanded now uh, to go anoint another man. And this man was David. And the, the thing that, that separated David from Saul was the fact that David was, an, was a man that was obedient. And the, the, the chapter that we read today about uh, David being anointed as king we know that the Lord doesn't look at stature. He doesn't look at the outer man. He looks at the humble heart of David. And about Saul, we read, we read an interesting verse. And, and I want to read that verse real quick. 1 Samuel chapter 9. It says about Saul, verse 2. And he had a choice, and a handsome son whose name was Saul... There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. And so clearly, there was a bias to elect Saul as king. He was clearly the best looking guy in, in, in all of Israel. He was clearly, you know, two feet taller than everybody else. And, and, and naturally, that's what people kind of gravitates toward, right? This is what people, they like to see, you know, when, when we elect a leader, when we look at, you know, when we go vote for a president, we don't necessarily look for, you know, the smartest guy on stage. We go for the best looking guy on stage, am I right? And, and sometimes this kind of creates this, 
uh, bias in our minds where, where we kind of look at the outer person before we begin to look at the inner person. But God says, we don't, we're not going to make that mistake again. This time we're going to choose a man after my heart. And it says about, uh, in verse, verse 6, chapter 16, verse 6, and he says, so when it was that he came and he looked at Eliab, and he says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He, see, he sees this one of David's brothers, and he's this tall guy, and he's this really good-looking guy, and he's probably two feet taller than the rest of them. And he says, you know, this is probably the guy. But God says, no, that's not the guy that I want. This is, and then seven other brothers of David pass by, and no, none of them are, are the one that God wants. And so finally, they come upon this young man. His name is David. He's tending his sheep. He's being faithful to the, to the calling that God had on his life, to the calling that his father maybe had on his life. You know, David, you know, go tend the sheep right now. I need you to do this and this. David says, okay, father, I'm going to go do this and this. And there's a, there's a verse in Acts chapter 22, uh, ch chapter 13, um, and verse 22 and 23. And I want to read these two verses, and we're going to conclude here in a, in a second. And he says in verse 22, And when he had removed him, he raised him up. He talks about Saul. When he had removed Saul, he raised him up for them, David, as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And it says this about David, and I believe that it wasn't, it wasn't for nothing that it was said about that he will do all my will. You know, we read about David, and he wasn't, he wasn't different in the fact that he didn't sin before God. He did sin before God. He wasn't different in the fact that he didn't commit sins that were egregious in the sight of people. He didn't commit these sins. But the fact that separated Saul and David was that Saul, he, he looked to, to justify his sin. He looked to justify his disobedience. David, when he sinned, he says, Lord, forgive me. He writes an, an entire psalm, Psalm 53, when we read that he sinned with Bathsheba, we read an entire psalm where he just kind of pours his heart out before God and he says, Lord, forgive me because I have sinned. I have committed this sin. When his eyes were opened by Nathan, the, 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 the prophet, he looks at this sin that he committed and he says, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to go back to that place of sin. I don't want to go back to that place that you have pulled me out from. You have... In one of the Psalms, we read that he says, you raised my feet out of the miry clay and you set them upon a rock. And we read this so often throughout a lot of the Psalms about David. And you guys are going to have to forgive me. I might go over 9 o'clock. Just a couple minutes though. Not a lot. I promise you guys. <laughs> um, and, and we look at these two things and, and we see, like as the brother that read the, the passage, we see that the posture of the heart. Where was the posture of Saul and where was the posture of David? Saul was all about uh, maintaining his, his image around the people. Saul was all about maintaining his kingdom. Saul was all about saving his, his image as a man, as, as an influential military man, as an influential uh, leader in, in that time, as a king. David, although he was an influential man during that time, although he was a, a man of stature, although he was a great military general during that time, a king, when he sinned, when he fell down, he wasn't, he wasn't concerned about losing his kingdom. He wasn't concerned about losing his image. What he was concerned about, and we read this in one of the Psalms, Psalm 53, it says, Lord, he was praying, he says, Lord, I pray that I don't lose your Holy Spirit. I say, he prays, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. And, and when we look at these two men, 
we see that God, he, see, he wants a man that is willing to obey the word of God. He's, he wants a man that is willing to be obedient to the call that God placed on their lives. He's will, he wants a man that is not concerned about his image uh, around his, his friends or maybe his, his, his family. He's not concerned about a man that is going to uh, justify his actions in order to please other people. He wants a man that is willing to say, Lord, if it's written like this in your Bible, I'm going to obey it. If it's written like this in your Bible, I don't care what my friends think, I'm going to obey you. And I have a challenge for you guys. I know a lot of you guys are going back to school. Uh, September, you know, school's coming around and uh, we're going to be just in a secular world throughout the week. My challenge for each and every single person here tonight is that when we're in this world, when we're in, in, in just not in church, not in the setting where we, we can all put on a face and we're all holy in this place tonight, when we're outside of these premises, when we're with our friends, when we're at school, when nobody knows that we're Christian perhaps, are we willing to stoop down to the, to the point where we say, Lord, I don't, want, I don't care if, if my friends make fun of me. I don't care if my friends think that I'm weird because I, I follow your word. I don't care if my friends think I'm weird or I'm this kind of like holy man for, for obeying your word. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be obedient to the, to the calling that you have for my life. I'm going to be obedient to... To what you have, to what you want me to do in my life, and and my my challenge, and I want to ask each and every single one of us tonight is, where is your posture before God? Is it is it one of obedience to God? Is it one of um, one where we, we humble ourselves before God when we sin, when we uh, fall down? Perhaps the first thing that we do is we run back to God. We don't try to justify ourselves. We don't try to, you know, uh, you know, say Lord, well, well, here's why, Lord, here's why I did this. We say, Lord, I sinned, I fell down. But here's, here's my repenting heart. Here's the heart that I want to offer to you. I, I surrender back to you. And with that, let us check where our hearts is tonight. Um, there, there's one last verse, and I'm going to wrap up. Matthew chapter, chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. If we could all just open up real quick. Matthew 12, um, 34. Matthew 12, 34. Let's, let's read that just real quick, and we'll wrap up in prayer. Matthew 12, 34. It says, 35, I'm sorry. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. And we look at David, we look at Saul, and we, we can see immediately who had good things stored in their hearts and who had evil things stored in their hearts. Who, whose heart was, was committed to the Lord, whose heart was not committed to the Lord. And my challenge for each and every single one of us tonight is, let's be obedient to the word of God. Let's be obedient to the calling that God has for us. Let's run back to him every time we fall. Let's look to him every time we need help. Let's not justify our actions when we fall down. Let's not try to put on a face for our friends. Let's just be, let's just be authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Is, is that a hard task? Amen. Amen. So let's just all stand up right now. Let's go to God with a word of prayer. Let's ask him to give us strength in this new school year. Let's ask him to give us strength, wisdom, understanding to walk humbly before him, to walk in his call, to walk in, his, to walk in obedience to him, to be like David, to be a man and women after God's own heart. Amen. Let's pray.